mere mortals. We are gathered here today to commemorate a legend, a god amongst all humankind, a titan of the game, a Goliath in a world of Davids. She methodically sliced and diced her opponents until nothing stood but their shame and insecurity. She wouldn't stop until she had it all. Get familiar. Everybody from the northeastern tip of Maine to the southwestern tip of California knows who Aoka Lee is. The world knows about Aoka Lee. Tonight, Blake, John, and Jeremiah honor Aoka Lee's historic 61 point stomp against number 14, Oklahoma. Let's get it! You know, that cold intro just, it was, it sounded great, but until the end where he's like, let's get it. Oh, really? You're going to make fun of me for that? That's what you chose to make fun of me for? If you just cut that part off, that would have been perfect. I thought it would be a fun way to kind of welcome the people into the show. Speaking oh, of. Oh, no. Wo- well, everything else was soundly. It was just the let's get it. It's just like. <laughs> well, I hope the people at home enjoyed the cold open. I thought I put, I thought yeah, that was it, a really fun thing it, to do. It, it was great. You, I mean, you, a perfect way it. to commemorate a legend, right? I mean, you know, you're not going to see something that Aoka Lee did like that for a very long time. Sure. But welcome, everybody, to the Shaken Blake Show on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove, the you know the radio connoisseur expert here. How are you, John? I'm not not bad, not bad. It's just been a long day. My throat's a little bit scratchy, so uh, I'll, try, I'll try to yeah, yeah. Well, John, I think can, we have a remedy for you. I, I mean, know. I think we got a third man on the crew today. Yeah, we might. Jeremiah Belene, how's it going, Jeremiah? It's been great. Thanks for having me again, Blake. Yeah, no problem. I mean, you might know Jeremiah enough from being the, at the front row of every single basketball game. You definitely earned your tier one for hey, the KU game. You definitely earned it. I mean, it was a lot of fun going there early, like basically eleven thirty, waiting for about two and a half hours to get <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. Let's not for, let's not forget he's the musical musical layup. basketball chairs Man, champion. Exactly. I can't complain about that. I, I mean, mean the height it was an unfair advantage. How tall are you? Um, currently I'm around six seven. So I mean, currently, currently, okay. You still growing? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> we know. Well, I okay. So I know Jeremiah from he's the drummer in Lab A and he comes into CJAE sometimes. So I know him from there. You guys, you you guys know each other for a very long time, right? Well, so it all started back in around the elementary school days. We were both part of a of a uh, Parks and Rec City League um, yeah. for the last couple oh, okay. of years, and uh, then we got to really meet each other like more often during middle school, and we were on a lot of classes with each other. Yeah. Uh, and since then, we've been we've been great buds, hanging out here and there, and yeah. uh, we'll try and find every way to hang out with each other, uh, especially during the basketball games where you just yell <laughs> and yell and yell. I will admit, I am a very energetic guy, and if you see me on the court, I will be like Russell Westbrook on the floor. I'm gonna have my arms flailing around. I'm gonna have my mouth just flailing around with all kinds of. Enthusiasm. You gotta love it. 
Yeah, well, we got a great show lined up for you. Obviously going to hit on Aoka Lee's NCAA record 61 Ooh. points against a ranked Oklahoma team. Absolutely stomp them. And then get to some sadness, talking about their game against Texas. We're going to hit a little bit of uh, K-State recruiting, some of their coaching, talk about the baseball preseason uh, poll and the preseason team. Then we'll get into men's basketball. Obviously, we'll touch on KU a little bit. Sadly, we'll try not to cry. And then we'll get to Baylor, where we're also try not to cry but just a reminder that we are on spotify check us out on uh, spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. just shake the letter n and blake uh, if you missed last week we did some really fun trivia i think john did really well i think you got like 10 questions right you crushed the conference realignment stuff yes, that was I, crazy it was too easy I'm just, I'm <laughs> it was not too easy for a, a lot of people yeah but, I mean, if you want to take your shot at it, round two is on Sporkle as well as the round one trivia. So if you should go to Sporkle.com and search K-State Trivia round one or two or search Shake and Blake No Spaces, you'll be able to find it. And so you do the first one's 11 questions, second one is 15 questions. Second one's definitely a little bit harder. For round three, I'm really going to have to amp it up. I'll have to try and get you on a conference realignment question. Conference realignment. I mean, buddy, from from, from <laughs> oh, Texas you're, and— wait, You're going to talk some trash? From Texas and Oklahoma joining the oh, SEC man. to gotta, Stony Brook joining the Colonial Athletic Association. Do you know what year Colorado joined the Big Six to make it unofficially the Big Seven? Ooh. That is a good Boom. I just— Ooh. 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 Wait a minute. Boom. I, I want to say 1946. Yeah, have a good night, people. Show's over. We're, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right, What'd I'm you say? Not. Goodbye. What'd you say it was? <laughs> I think— Somewhere around like the 1940s, like 1946, but I could oh, be wrong. I would have guessed. It was 1947. Wow. Super close. But anyway, let's get into what we planned on talking about. Uh, K-State versus Oklahoma on Sunday, uh, you know, bouncing back after that tough KU game. They whoop Oklahoma 94-65. to Obviously, Aoka Lee, 61 points, 12 rebounds. I mean, along with breaking the NCAA record, which was held by Cindy Brown, who did it in 87, and Rachel Bannett, who did it for Minnesota. She also broke the Big 12 record, obviously, which yeah. was previously held by Brittany Griner, who had 50. A couple other statistics to note. Jalen Glenn, 8 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Really solid game from her. Serena Sundell, 11 points, 8 assists, 0 turnovers. Serena Sundell, the only one in double figures, yeah. usually a point of concern, but when <laughs> when one person scoring two thirds of your points, it's almost expected. But we'll start with you, John. I mean, what did you make of the game, especially for an Oklahoma team that was a you know high packed offense, really shut them down? I mean, the number one leading uh, offense uh, leading offense in terms of scoring for in the Big Twelve is Oklahoma, and for K State shut, shutting them down was sixty five points. That's amazing. But Going back to Aoka Lee, the, the game last Sunday was easily the most ridiculous, dominant athlete performance I've ever seen at any level of K-State sporting events in the years I've been working or attending games. I mean, Oklahoma had no answers. They brought double teams. It didn't matter. When they uh, when they tried to foul, it didn't matter. I mean, it was like post-practice, and it didn't show, and it was like no one guarded her. I mean, there was no amazing shots, uh, but yeah. it was just all around, um, uh, it was just all around workmanlike I mean that's it was just an impressive performance she 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 dusted off those Oklahoma players pretty easily so I don't know Jeremiah what do you think I feel like it's just more of the game plan itself like the coaches themselves they had a lot coming into this game number ranked 14 in the entire nation Oklahoma coming to Manhattan and I feel like they just prepared very well against this high offensive team like it showed especially we had a lot of big defensive stops in the first half and second half and like that Yoko Lee just dominated I mean, 
Uh, you said, I mean, as an opposing coach, I would make the players watch the game. For post players, this was an absolute master class on uh, getting possession early, holding possession, showing the hand, securing the ball, making a move and scoring. For guards, it really illustrates how to throw entry passes and how much easier it is to score in the block if the post uh, player gets the ball where they need it the most. Yeah, definitely. yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the most impressive things about Aoka Lee that I that really stands out to me all the time is her hands. I mean, the you know the, they th- the our guards have to give them credit as well for being able to feed Aoka Lee like that. Some yeah. of the passes they throw, but her ability to catch pretty much anything and put it up almost immediately before the defense can really even prepare. I mean, it's truly impressive. I'm sure it's something she works on a lot, and it's really yeah. what makes her. I mean, probably the best, you know, uh, women's basketball player in the country. And, I mean, maybe the best K-State athlete that's here probably right now, right side along, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. I mean, but let me ask you, Jeremiah, um, being in the crowd, what was it like as, as, you know, being aware of what kind of, like, were you guys thinking, like, how close is she to the record and things like that? Because I have a story Mm -hmm. for me and John were in the control room scrambling trying to find what the records were. So me and, like, a bunch of guys of mine, we decided to go to the game crew. Like, all right, it's a ranked opponent. We literally just saw K-State dominate women's basketball against KU. So you're like, all right, let's go watch Oklahoma and see how this goes. First half was like, all right, she dropped maybe, like, 20 or 30. Watch her go for, like, a triple-double or something because she had – I think she racked about, like, eight or seven rebounds in that first half. And then progressively the second half, we just kept looking at her like, oh, my God, she's going for the record. She's going for the record. And then when she broke the Big 12 record, we were just in shock and awe. Like, holy cow, it finally been broken after, like, what, 20, 30 years? Like, we were, like, in complete shock. And not to mention the fact that we blew out a top 15 ranked opponent. Yeah, I mean, it was really impressive for. I mean, again, John mentioned how how well Oklahoma does offensive. They average eighty eight points a game. Ooh. We held them to a season low sixty five. I mean, they did have some really rough stretches. They were turning the ball over a lot. They had seventeen turnovers in the game, mm-hmm. but there were some rough stretches where they. I mean, they missed a lot of you know like easy layups and yeah. stuff. And it just. I mean, if you just watch that game, you'd be like, how was how was this team ranked? You know, all due respect. Especially. Yeah, but I mean, in the studio, in the uh, control room. Our boss Andy, I mean, he realized how big of an occasion this could be. We had to, you know, scramble to look up her, um, you know, the school record, which obviously I mean, a school record in a conference game, her own school record that she broke earlier this year with 43 points. We figured out the Big 12 record was 50, and then we had to check like four times that the, you know, the NCAA record was 60. Something to point out about that NCAA record: um, Rachel Bantam, who did it for Minnesota, I mean, she did it in double overtime, and she made eight threes. I mean, Aoka Lee did it making zero threes with, like, two minutes left in regulation. Yeah, not to mention it was, like, all post moves. It wasn't, like, just any mid-range jumpers. She made, one, she made one shot outside of the paint. It was all hook shots and all layups. It wasn't, like, it was, like, a dominance, like, almost like Shaq was in the paint. It was just dominance. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, she didn't have to give up her possession to get the ball. She didn't have to go chasing for a rim passes. I mean, there's the 28 assist right there. Exactly. I mean, Ayoka obviously was the one putting the ball in the baskets, uh, but she wouldn't have gone 23 for 30, 76%, if she was catching the ball out of possession all afternoon. I mean, like I said before, it was worksmanlike. It was fundamental. And, I, and I, like I've said, it was like no one was guarding her. I mean, it's just overall from my, from my perspective. As a K-State fan who has been a dire K-State fan for a long time, it's just crazy to see that we got one of these elite players like that are, uh, as an athlete, we get to see them right before our eyes at our home, at our home arena. I mean, it's just 
one heck of an accomplishment for sure. And it's extremely rare, and it's one not to be taken for granted as well. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about it, that the team is playing tomorrow at home. You know, make sure to come out and support the team. But let's go ahead and hear from Aoka Lee about uh, breaking the record and our thoughts on that. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, coming into this game, it wasn't like – I don't think anyone thinks that, like, oh, yeah, we're just going to set a record today. Um, But I think it just goes back to, like, our preparation. Like, this wasn't an easy scout. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. But we just executed so well. Um, And it started with our defense. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think she played so well, she left herself speechless. I mean, if I played that well, I wouldn't know what to say either. But, I mean, I think she hits a good point about the defense, which is something to talk about. Playing super well, the perimeter defense was really solid. Obviously, Aoka Lee dominating offensively, but she still has the energy and the stamina to really put in work in the paint. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the defensive focus, I think, especially in that first half, you can clearly see the amount of turnovers they had forced over the course of the first, like, two quarters, it was just monsters, like, it's coming from like all the role players, all the young freshmen that we have that are doing phenomenal here. Like it's insane. And I think you can argue throughout the past few games, like the KU and Iowa State games at home, K State's kind of dialed it back in terms of uh, defensive turnovers uh, in the second half. But I mean, they they did not they did not press uh, the brakes on anything. I mean, they kept it going against Oklahoma, uh, and it was just it was just all around an impressive performance. Just. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm like speechless. As well. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a bad time to be speechless when you're hosting a one hour talk show. But I mean, it's just like what can you say? I mean, it's truly jaw dropping and extremely special. But on the K State defense, uh, let's go ahead and hear from Jeff Mitty on uh, his thoughts about it. Thought our switches were pretty solid. I thought our communication was decent. Uh, I, I think our communication was better than decent. It was good. It was good. I, I'm I'm always wanting more. Um, I mentioned numerous times I thought Jay really set the tone for us defensively and then look at her rebounds. Uh, She's flying around with 11 rebounds today. We knew that this was going to be a game where we would have to gang rebound better. Long threes, long shots, quick pace. The the rebounding margin was uh, significant for us. So there was just a lot of really good things going on out there today. But uh, I thought our group played uh, well all day, both ends. You know, one of the things I love about Jeff Mitty is just like everything can just always be better. I mean, when he's in this press conference, he's just like it was a solid win against a good team. You know, a few things we could work on. You know, we had some rough stretches. <laughs> I mean, he's just so, you know, calculated and yeah. pragmatic. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's really what makes him a great coach. Yeah, I met the guy in person, too, and he's super nice. Like, yeah. he's super nice about everything. I've noticed. I know it's kind of like a Bill Snyder type of role a little bit uh, in some of the games. Jeff Minnie's coach. I mean, he's he's impressed with the great performances, but they know it can be better. And I know for sure this team can be better. It's just kind of filling in some of those little mistakes. But when you have a game like Oklahoma, uh, let me take a look here. I mean, K State had more rebounds substantially. K State had more assists uh, substantially. K State had more steals substantially. I mean, across the board, this was an absolute drumming. Uh, and this is just one of the best all-around performances in any K-State sports history, especially against a top-15 ranked team in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. who was also led by a uh, former assistant coach who was uh, led under, I can't remember who the former head coach of the women's basketball team was, but she was a, oh, Deb Patterson. Uh, so one of Deb Patterson's assistants was leading Oklahoma uh, mm-hmm. in that one. So, 
just overall a great great game by the Cats. So yeah, yeah. Do you guys I, have anything else to add before we move on to Texas? Uh, I got nothing. John, you got anything? I guess kind of transitioning a little bit. Like like while there is a good good sign of, of things to come, there's some uh, rough things to uh, kind of hump. Uh, jump over a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we can go. Yeah, go ahead and get onto the game against Texas, where K State was defeated on the road at the Irwin Center, sixty-six to forty-eight. Now, if you missed the game, which I mean, let's be honest, you probably did because it's on the Longhorn Network, <laughs> which you know, whatever. Uh, you know, K State. I mean, it was a complete shift, um, especially offensively. It was. I mean, they really struggled with uh, Texas perimeter defense. Texas shot the ball really well from the field. I thought. I think they shot like fifty-seven percent. Or something like that, and that really snowballed their defense as well because their full court press really got to us. We were really struggling to inbound the ball. Had a bunch six turnovers in the first quarter, and uh, I mean, I think for Texas, you really got to mention Lauren Ebo, their center, who played really well. She ended up fouling out, but she really um, made Aoka Lee struggle. Obviously, we're going to you know. I mean, but she struggled. Aoka Lee dropped 20 and 11. I mean, she had a 10-point fourth quarter, which kind of helped them get, I believe, within 11, but it just it really wasn't enough. Yeah, I could definitely agree with you on that. Like, I think Texas's game plan, they kind of watched the film of that Oklahoma game where Oyoka Lee was just dominating against them, having 61. And I feel like they kind of had a game plan of just, all right, we need to shut her down and just make her kick it out so then she can't score as much, but, like, give it to other people that could, you know, give it to someone else who would be wide open. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that 20 points – uh, would be a disappointment of all of all things. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Aoka Lee had 20 points and 11 rebounds to leave the Cats, um, but she only shot just 20, uh, 9 of 20 from the field. Uh, Sundell joined Lee in double figures, though half of her points came off of free throws, uh, and she's committed as many turnovers and assists. Um, but uh, just a whole, not a whole lot of weapons against Texas. Nobody in a K-State uniform shot well from a floor. The Cats went 17 for 49 from the field. That's 35.7%. Uh, if you're doing the math from uh, at home, uh, and just one of six uh, behind the arc. Uh, I mean, at least they they did shoot well from the free throw line, making 13 of 17 from the stri- from the charity stripe. So uh, you got some positives out of there, but uh, just uh, just a few more. Uh, uh, beating themselves up opportunities that case they kind of uh, jumped on a little bit. Yeah, one of the interesting things is that they started out the game in a zone. Yeah, they, they actually did. started out in a two-three zone, which I know I think the commentators mentioned Texas really struggled against. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going against our own thing, but I think rebounding really kind of hurt us, you know, going into the zone. And they also found those gaps in the mid-range. They were really hitting those shots from the elbow and from the short yeah. corner. Uh, Audrey Warren was, you know, she started out eight for eight until at the very end of the game on a breakaway layup with 20 seconds left. She just totally blows it to blow her perfect game, which is just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you could have just held the ball out and, go, and gotten your eight for eight, but I believe Texas had three and double figures. I mean, they were just really hot. Correction, they did. They shot 48 percent from the field, so not quite as you know as like extreme I mean, as that, but still really solid. And if you were watching the game, I mean, you just they were they could not miss from the mid range. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were shooting the ball lights out pretty much in that first half, getting a lot of easy shots, all these kinds of open looks for them, and just punishing us on the defensive end of the floor. Like, it even showed the full-court presses were a big factor for them. Um, I would just say, for me at least, it's just like they are just a whole defensive juggernaut that we could not overcome in that second half. 
Yeah, I will say, even with their, you know, they played some extremely tight defense. I thought in the second half we made a uh, few nice couple of back cuts yeah. on the baseline a couple times. I believe Jalen Glenn was making them to really punish that overplay on the defense. I thought that worked a few times. But, I mean, we just really couldn't get anything in the paint. Dribble penetration was just nowhere to be found. Uh, you guys have any other thoughts on it? I have noticed a little bit of a of a pattern um, with, with K-State, and this kind of leads to the TCU game possibly. It it just kind of shows that K State as tend to play a little bit more comfortable when it comes to the when it comes to the home games and uh, yeah, we've seen we've seen yeah. in terms of the road games already the loss to Texas well Texas is just a really good team they could be a Final Four contender yeah but Texas Tech loss was pretty head scratching and down in Lubbock so um, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, we got, um, but you can lead us into the TCU game if you want to. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I was going to quickly touch on the Big 12 standings and what happened after we lost. We now dropped down to fifth. Um, Iowa State at the top, tied with Oklahoma at six and two. Uh, Texas at five and two at number three in the standings. Baylor's number four. And by the way, those teams are all in the top 18. To, I mean, <laughs> wow. and then K State at 25, ranked fifth. Uh, at five and three right now, so obviously Baylor and Texas have a few games to play to get caught up. But I mean, after that, it's a pretty steep drop off with Kansas at twelve and five. With you know the rest of the teams in the conference have losing records, including TCU, who are going to play on Saturday, who's six and ten, two and five in the Big Twelve. I mean, ideally, you know, you this is a good bounce back game. Get your stuff going before you right. play. You, you get a rematch against Iowa State on the road. I mean, ideally, you you would think of this as a as a pretty good shot for K-State to kind of get back into the swing of things and kind of dominating a struggling TCU team but I'm going to say this Jeff Mitty has struggled against his former team in TCU the one who who uh, who used to coach right. uh, the Cats have dropped the last six out of eight games to the other purple team so <laughs> I don't know we'll, we'll see what happens but if you're in town just come out and show, show some support because I think that's going to come a, a long way for the girls and uh, it'll help definitely boost a resume for I mean, sure. The crowd was great on Sunday, which yeah, really definitely. shocked me because I thought everybody would just be worn out from the KU game, you know, that they wouldn't really come out. But it was a pretty good crowd, you know. Um, and we actually do have a clip of Ayoko Lee talking about the crowd on Sunday and how that really uh, helps the team. Yeah, I think it was a great crowd, like especially for a Sunday game um, and like Chiefs are in the playoffs or whatever. So. Just, yeah, very thankful for it. Um, it was great. Just these past couple games coming in and just seeing, like, the crowds we, we've had has been awesome, and I hope it just continues to grow, yeah. And then another one other thing we have to hit on women's basketball, obviously, the big news, the NCAA revealed their top 16 seats. K-State came in at number 16, oh. which is really huge. And I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's just ginormous, especially when we're ranked 25th, but we appear. Yeah, it just it doesn't make any sense to me with, all, you know, some of the wins we have. We have five losses. I think I want to say four out of our five losses, everybody except Texas Tech, they're all in that top 16. What NC State, mm-hmm. South Carolina, yep. Iowa State, Texas, yeah. they're all in that top 16. Texas Tech, the only one out, which is an objectively bad loss. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's a huge sign for the Cats. And I was listening to the uh, Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. They said it was either be, it depends on who you talk to, but Greensboro or Wichita. To get to play in Wichita, you know, hey. basically host it. That would be really a really great opportunity to host two rounds for the Cats. Yeah, definitely. Especially if we get to go to Wichita, that's like an hour and a half from here. So it's like everyone from like Manhattan or wherever is going to be pulling up and just kind of sold out crowd. That's simple. 
Now, I know I, I've gotten a few texts about it. Like, how, how does K-State be a top six team? Well, you got to consider the net, net evaluation uh, rankings as well. I mean, K-State, they had the big win over Oregon, which Oregon is in the top 16 as well, uh, for those who didn't see that as well. Um, they beat Baylor. They beat Iowa State. The, uh, and then they, they, their worst losses, well, the te- besides the Texas Tech one, all their losses came against teams in the top 15 in terms of an in terms of a net ranking right. so uh definitely a, a bunch of games to build up on k-state's resume and i mean yeah i'm with jeremiah i'd love to go to wichita but i mean just kind of gave him a national recognition and being in the top 16 that's something to be proud of for sure yeah it's well deserved too with this women's program they've had a lot of like great moments this year and it's well deserved what they've done yeah the combination of Ayoka lee and then getting in the top 16 here it's a huge plus for the women's basketball team. Anything else to add before we hear from well, Tanners? Not only that, but you're also adding to the fact that Aoka Lee is coming back, as well as K-State landing four big recruits to the team next year. So this yeah. team is this team is only going to get better. I mean, heck, I'll, I'll call it right now. K-State could be, could be a national it title could. contender. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And I'm feeling really good about the way Jeff Minnie and this program is uh, going. Yeah, two seniors on the roster this year. Aoka Lee announced that she's coming back for her senior year. Yeah. Serena Sundell is a possible Big 12 freshman of the year. The Glenn twins are really solid you know, uh, yeah. players on the team. I mean, this is a team that's still on the up and up, even though they're already so good. And they're going to be really exciting to watch tomorrow. Again, at, uh, playing TCU at home. Make sure to come and check them out. But let's go ahead and take 30 seconds to hear from Tanners. We'll hit some football recruiting, some coaching news in football, talk a, just a tiny bit of baseball, then get into uh, men's basketball on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And special guest, Jeremiah Blaine. Back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove alongside special guest this week, Jeremiah Bellin. Let's go and hit some K-State recruiting that happened. They've uh, Chris Kleiman said he wants to recruit one quarterback every single recruiting cycle, and he got his quarterback now. Uh, they get three-star quarterback Adrian Lara from Goodyear, Arizona. He was committed to Washington State for over a year, but obviously kind of the drama that happened there with the uh, coach and the uh, vaccine and things like that kind of left him to change his mind. Um, I don't know what you've heard, John, but to me he's, I've heard he's a high-ceiling, low-floor kind of guy. I've seen I've seen a few highlights from him uh, early on. Um, based on appearance, he has a broad shoulder frame with a strong lower half. Uh, he's a strong arm quarterback with the ability to to uh, air it out downfield. He has a nice touch to deep throws and creates a lot of torque uh, with his upper body and can sling the ball from different angles. Uh, he also displays a pocket awareness and the ability to make over uh, to make pass rushers miss. So that kind of creates a good tie between uh, Adrian Lara and to a lesser extent Will Howard just kind of comparing the two a little bit mm-hmm. uh, he can extend plays while keeping his eyes downfield he can deliver the balls on time and lead receivers into space stands in the pocket while forcing pressure but at the, but at times could make better decisions as well um, he could also continue to refine drop back footwork while shortening long up motion uh, he's projected as an eventual Power Five starter. Well, he he could be yeah, here in the next yeah. few years. I uh, and even um, some people who are scouts, they're saying he could potentially. Uh, uh, let me say that again. He uh, he has a chance to garner NFL draft attention as well. So uh, he won't be anywhere near the starting position next season. But 
he'll likely gain some strong development under Colin Klein's new scheme. Yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting conversation in two years where we go at the quarterback position. But from what I've heard from uh, Derek Young at K-State Online, it's just his mechanics seems to be his biggest weakness. He, uh, they said he yeah. threw seven yeah. throws, and they were all from different angles. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, people have been kind of been thrown from different arm angles, but if he can create something that's more repeatable, I think he could really take mm-hmm. his game to the next level. Yeah, uh, he's got a yeah, like you mentioned, a pretty solid build. Uh, I know they compared him to like a Will Howard kind of runner, mm-hmm. like not extremely fast, but runs pretty strong. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm excited to see what he does at K State. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. That this is going to be a big move for K State, honestly, because since we have that transfer who's a senior this upcoming season, he's going to be gone the following year, which means that it's either going to be him or Will Howard. Most likely, if he can develop his game by then, he'll probably be the starter or the guy. We just well, don't know. You also got to add into the fact that Jake Rubley is also uh, that too still is still in quarterback consideration as well. That's so true. There, there's a lot of tr- decisions to be made by Coach Kleiman and his staff. So uh, we'll see what happens on that part. But overall, this is a this is a pretty good pickup for this K-State. is a very good pickup. Yeah, definitely something to be happy about. And then in coaching news, uh, Brian Leepak is hired as the tight ends and fullbacks coach. It's a internal promotion. He was the former offensive quality control coach. And then uh, we're also still looking for a wide receiver coach, something to lag out for. Right now in the recruiting circles, uh, the graduate assistant Christian Ellsworth is the one touring and recruiting wide receivers as well. And then one other thing, I saw this uh, a few days ago. I think Caesars released their Heisman odds. Three K-State players are on there. Two of them are pretty obvious. Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez, 100-1. to But at the very bottom of this, you see Jake Rubley, 200-1. to So they must have obviously read his rival's profile, Probably. given, you know, you know a four-star yeah. recruit. But 100-1, you know, if, you know, that's not, that's respectable. You got three, I mean, I, I thought, like, Worst case scenario, there's going to be one with like Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, I, yeah. but you got Adrian Martinez. I mean, he's already got scored 18 touchdowns at Nebraska. I mean, not a 80 touchdowns <laughs> at Nebraska. Uh, so he he's definitely going to be get some uh, Heisman uh, Heisman uh, decision makers' attentions. I I could not talk to. Him. No, you're you're good, um, John. You're good. But I'm I'm a little surprised about Jake Rubley. I I did not see him uh, expecting to be on that list. So. I mean, we were talking about it before the show. Like Adrian Martinez gets hurt, Will Howard's probably the one starting still. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if Rubley would really make unless he's just crushing it in spring practice. He comes into if, fall camp a new person. Like, I mean, I just I don't really see it. If he pulls off like a crazy season. We're talking yeah. like a 13-2 record with over 4,000 passing yards or like whatever. If he pulls something like that out, then, I mean, who knows what could happen. I mean, it's I don't know if it's really a conversation worth having because it seems so unlikely. So we can go ahead and move on, talk a little bit of baseball. They released the preseason poll as well as the 2022 Big 12 preseason team. Uh, they put K-State at 7th. Uh, West Virginia and Kansas are below them at eighth and ninth. Again, only ten, only nine teams. Excuse me, in Big Twelve baseball, Iowa State not doing baseball. Up at the top, not surprising. Texas, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, four pretty solid baseball teams that are probably going to be you know competing for a World Series. But you know, it was a K State team last year that gave you know had a pretty decent run in the tournament. Were really close to making the tournament, but they just uh, had some pretty bad losses on the road and you know just didn't have quite as many of those quality wins to make it. And then also on the Big 12 2022 preseason team, Dylan Phillips, the alpha there is named to the team. And then one other announcement, 
there's an open scrimmage at Toynton Family Stadium tomorrow and Sunday at 10 a.m. if you'd like to uh, see the Cats. Well, I mean, you also get to see Dylan uh, Dylan Phillips, who was yeah. not only uh, uh, mentioned on the Big 12 preseason team, but uh, also being named to the 2022 preseason All-American third team by Collegiate Baseball. Uh, Phillips was second at K-State in hitting and leads in, and led in home runs last season behind Zach Kalkowska in hitting and uh, just ahead of him in home runs. However, uh, the thing that questioned me was uh, his name was not called during the MF. Uh, in the MLB draft, despite Kokoska Col- uh, Col- uh, getting oh, yeah, yeah. selected. Yeah. Kokoska, yeah. Kokoska. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. Like, that's a tough name to pronounce. Yeah, but, it's a tough name. Uh, Phillips, Phillips had, uh, also had some time at the mound with a one-on-one record and, <laughs> uh, and eight appearances and three starts. So uh, uh, if, you're, if you're a huge baseball fan, uh, if you want to see the Cats uh, early on, I mean – do what Blake says, pretty much. Just yeah, there you go. Support the cats. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I was going to mention, you know, we don't want to get too into it because they didn't have a stand up a game for like another month. But I mean, they lost a lot of dudes. I mean, Jordan Wicks yeah, obviously losing. taking 21st overall to the yep. Cubs. Camp Thompson was a big senior in third baseman. Tyler Eckberg was a huge reliever, especially in the Big right. 12 tournament. Carson Seymour drafted, I believe, in the sixth round. Zach Kakoska in the 10th round. Eric Torres in the 14th round. And, you know, Dylan Phillips, Nick Goodwin, and on the mound, Colin Marcola are the big three guys we're going to have back this year. I mean, there's a few returners as well, obviously. But, I mean, it's going to be looking like a, a pretty new squad for PTOs. So it, it should be uh, pretty exciting. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big start as well. Yeah. You, get, you consider you start in Arlington in about a yeah. month or so. you got Arizona, who I believe right. was in a contention of a College World Series, as yeah. well as Michigan, and then a perennial SEC team in Auburn. So uh, – Huge opportunity for K State to start off real strong, and I mean real strong because definitely. these because these three teams historically are are really good. Yeah, definitely be good to get those wins. And then in uh, men's basketball, we have two injuries we'll hit on. Then we'll hear from Tanner's and talk about the KU game as well as the Baylor game. First on Sutton Miguel, who had an ankle injury against Baylor. It's a, it's a bad sprain. Uh, I I actually talked to him last night and. Uh, he, he felt that he did some walking in the water uh, and he can put his foot down and he wanted to go on the trip. So, um, you know, so I guess that part positive, but it, it looks like he's, I would say a minimum 10 days to two weeks, if not. And, and again, I, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes. And then here's Bruce Weber on Davian Bradford. Davion has a hip issue and, um, that's why he didn't start the other day and played minimal minutes and took himself out. Um, you know, we're, we're hoping by tomorrow it'll be a little better, but he, he was, he was probably half a practice yesterday. So uh, we'll see how that goes. So after we take 30 seconds here from Tanner's, we'll talk about the men's basketball team with KU and Baylor and they're uh, coming up uh, in the big 12 SEC challenge against Ole Miss. Back on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove alongside special guest Jeremiah Belleen. It's been six days, but it, I can still feel the pain in my heart. Uh, you know, we'll just touch on it quickly since we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. K-State falls to KU 78-75, led 50-34 to at halftime. It was the largest comeback from a halftime deficit in school history for KU. K-State finished with only 23 rebounds. 
And, I mean, KU had 27 rebounds in the second half alone. It's just, I mean, plenty of chances to win still. You're up 75-69 with over three minutes left. It's still an extremely winnable game even after everything that's happened. But it just, you couldn't get anything to go our way. Ochai Obaji got the shot he wanted, and... Nigel Peck misses a deep three, and that, and I mean, that's pretty much the ball game. We'll start with you, John. What, uh, what did you make of the game? Well, I think you kind of touched on it right there. I mean, the, the rebounding was the main difference in the game. I mean, you're you're not going to win any games when you're being out rebounded by twenty two uh, twenty two times. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not going to slide, and especially in, in a conference like the Big Twelve, where there's going to be a lot of big guys you're going to have to deal with day in and day out. Right. Uh, but. Nigel Pack had the best game of his life, honestly. He scored 35. Um, first first K-State player to score 30 in a, in a Sunflower Showdown game since Jacob Poland, I believe, back in 2010. Yeah, like yep. yeah. um, he was red hot. He was red hot against KU, however, uh, well, in the first half especially, but uh, KU did a better job defensively uh, holding him. I think he scored eight points in the second half. Uh, so, uh, and so KU did a... I could be wrong about the amount of points he scored in the second half, but uh, mm-hmm. just came to show that KU's defense was a little bit too physical for this K-State team to handle at times. Uh, Oshai Abaji was just shooting out of his mind uh, over the last two games with the K-State and Texas Tech game, but uh, he, he's 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 done a great job carrying this KU team when they need to rely on it, on a shooter especially, but... Um, I don't know. It just seems like a never-wasted opportunity. This is the second time K-State's flown uh, a 15-plus lead uh, this month. So, I don't know. Jeremiah, what do you, what do you think? I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, Abaji dropped 29 in 36 minutes against us, which is very impressive from his standpoint. Nigel Pike at 35 for K-State. But get this. In team stats, we shot better in field goal percentage with 45.8%. KU shot 44%. So, it's an evenly shot like distribution. KU shot 23% from three in 21 attempts. They only hit five attempts from three. We shot nearly 38% from three. Well, I think part of that, too, was with, not, with, with the, Nigel with Pack. How, yeah, not, yeah, how, how Nigel, uh, Pack. Nigel Pack was. And I think, to a lesser extent, Marquise Noel, who led the Cats of 18. But, right. Uh, yeah, it was just – it was just – I think it was more – it was – the perimeter shooting was fine. It was just yeah. the the play inside, like inside. Inside, yeah. It, it was just really yeah. costly offensively and defensively. Not to mention the fact that in terms of personal fouls, KU only had fourteen. We had twenty four. That is that is that actually was, one. I that's that was a huge turn in the second a, half. That you was had, a huge turn. I mean, you. I mean, you can blame the Big Twelve refs at all, but you can't have seventeen fouls in the first. Four minutes no. of the of the second half, and then you have then you have like ten team fouls with like thirteen minutes to go in the second half. I mean that's just that's just not going to cut it, and you're going to get KU to the free throw line every time. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say this. Marquise Noel had a monster being the second option for K State in that game. Mm-hmm. Had been sixteen. He kept that. He kept us having hope. Like he kept keeping that game as big as we could. Like I think at one point we had like a twelve point game thanks to him for having a couple steals here and there and giving us some huge buckets. Yeah, I mean it was it was uh, it was you know Nigel Pack obviously it was Marquise Noel, it was Selton Miguel, nobody else. Mike McGurl took one shot, I think. Ish Masood took two. Not really help from anybody else, and we really could have used that cherry on top. Just that just that little bit from a few other people. But I wanted to touch on Nigel Beck's 35 points and where he sits in history. He's the sixth player to uh, score 35 or more points against KU 
Uh, I believe Mike Robluski. I don't know. I don't know if I Blusky. said that right. I like scored forty six against KU in nineteen sixty two. Michael Beasley had thirty nine in 08. Obviously, you mentioned Poland um, thirty eight against KU, which I believe probably is still the most points scored against the I number one so. team I in the country. Yeah. I remember that graphic at the time that it was true. I'm not sure if it's held. And then uh, Dick Nostman had thirty eight in nineteen fifty two. These are some great fifties names. Fritz Snyder. Had 36 Snyder. in 1956. That's the most 50. And then Nigel Pack obviously hitting 35. So he joins a pretty select group. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's just so sad it's that just, it wasn't enough. I feel yeah. so bad for him that, you know, he, it's, he couldn't. Uh, it's just really tough. It was it was a stellar performance. It was. Wasted. I mean, it, yeah. there's just no other way to call it. I mean, he it was a great night for him, but he just didn't have as much support, especially from, uh, you know, the likes of, uh, the guys in the paint. Uh, yeah. You know, some of the players, like mm-hmm. you touched on it like a little bit with Mike McGurl. I think I think um, at times Mark Smith could have done a little bit better as mm-hmm. well. Um, but yeah. I'll, I'll give point. I'll give Selton McGill some, some credit. He's had some struggles uh, in, in some of the few Big 12 games that it's been of, uh, especially the Texas Tech game, the one that really comes into mind uh, based on my perspective. But 11 points, I mean, that's, 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 not, that's good. pretty good. And uh, defensively, he was he was pulling, putting all out he could as well. Yeah. So I was, I go was, ahead, John. I was gonna say, Selton Miguel is kind of like the defensive anchor of this team. Like he kind of reminds you of almost like a Patrick Beverly. Like he literally is all defense, and he will literally help like any way he can defensively, and he will shoot the ball if he needs to in offense. Like he will do whatever it takes to win a game. Like he, he just needs Patrick Beverly's attitude. Exactly, <laughs> he needs the attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to Selton Miguel, especially KU started out with that 9-0 run in the second half, which was obvious. I mean, you know, when you're up 16, like, we're not going to play stupid against KU. Like, KU's a great basketball team coached by an all-time great head coach. They're so. going to get back into this game. I'm, They're going to do it somehow. How do they do it? Turnovers and rebounding. Definitely. They eight, eight turnovers in the first half, only three in the second half. Mm-hmm. And then the rebound is, is extremely obvious if you, wa- if you watch the game. And it what really hurts is to be – to be complaining about all these foul calls we got and we got unfair fouls, but to be the less physical team as, as well, that, I think that really hurts. I was going to say this. Being a head coach and you're losing a family member the day before a big rivalry game like that, you got to give credit to Bill Self on that one, especially losing someone like his father, especially before a big rivalry game. It takes like serious props to come into an arena like K-State. And he, you, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, he was, he was, he was coaching uh, – so he was coaching his guys a lot during the second half. He he outcoached Bruce Weber in the second half. I mean, there was just no other way to put it right there. Right. Um, but I mean, he he's he's an all around class act coach. I mean, he's going to get the best out of his guys. Um, whether it's one year uh, one and done, or yeah. or if they decide to stick around, like as long as Mitch Lightfoot has right. uh, at times. So, I mean, overall, I mean, I think K State well. Early on, it looked like K-State was more deserving of winning this game, but, I mean, you just a lot of dumb decisions at times that you, you would want back. I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing to think, like, how badly we were getting out, out-rebounded. I mean, I don't know if there's a stat of, like, every single game of what the winning percentage of the team who won the rebounding battle is, but I'm sure it's, like, 90%. Right. I mean, there are – I mean – 
to I mean, we basically just overcompensated for our terrible rebounding with extremely good three point shooting, which we knew wouldn't last, and of course it didn't. Sultan Miguel helped us with some drives in the second half to break the run, but they just kind of came back piece by piece, and part of that was at the free throw line. Right. Made thirty or, uh, attempted thirty free throws, made twenty one of them, and then K State, you know, they left a few at the line, which I mean, I, I mentioned on the broadcast here that it, it was going to come back to bite them. I was going to say fatigue kind of kicked in late. I would say that in the second half, like we were on, we were on fire in that first half. We didn't feel like we were that much fatigued. And then fatigue kind of slowly but surely kicked in late in the second half, and it kind of showed like we were kind of having a hard time getting back, and it was just the rebounds were just getting out of nowhere. I mean, you that that was the main difference overall. I mean, you can you have to just look at back look at that game and just say like, okay, what's what's the main difference in history? Like that that's going to be on the record book. All right, it's going to be the rebounding. I mean, just seeing that in person. I mean, that that's no excuse. I mean, that that's no right. excuse for for what for the type of performance that we saw right there. I mean, I mean it 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 just kind of left a, like a bad bad view from from a fan and. Uh, even as uh, someone who who supports the team, no matter what, and I, I'll support the team no, no matter what. But I got to call it was. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the rebounding was just really, really. Fast. And you can't put it all on the bigs. No, I mean, Jalen Wilson on that weak side glass, he was there all the time, crashing the glass, and nobody Dave, was there to pick him up. Dave McCormick was also doing pretty yeah. good, decent as well inside the paint uh, uh, for KU as well. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Davion Bradford, KCASU, Carlton Lingard, I think their defense on McCormick when he got post touches was pretty good. He, I don't think he was very efficient no, shooting the ball in the post, but he just was more physical than them and got the offensive rebound every yep. single time pretty much. They yeah. pretty much had a second chance. I mean, what their rebounding rate I believe was like 53%. They had 19 offensive rebounds good. or 15 offensive rebounds. She'd be, I believe, and then 19 second chance points compared to only the eight of K State. I mean, that's that's just it's not going to win you a lot of games. Right. Not going to win you a lot of yeah. games. I mean, I mean, just to think about this four game stretch that we've had, where you get Texas, Texas Tech, um, KU, and Baylor, four teams in the top 20. Right. I mean, me and John were talking. We're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be 0 and 8 to start a conference play. Like this is a complete disaster. Right. Like how are we going to win any games? But then you get two against Texas and Texas Tech, one of them on the road, which was really huge. That was big. You slip one away against uh, KU. I mean, Baylor, you know, we'll get into it. But, you know, Baylor's just a super solid team with a ton of size. Yeah. But to be – I mean, if you could have got three out of four, I mean, you know, you're what, three and five? I, I, I mean, you're probably not in last place. I mean, it's, you know, some sort of optimism would be there. I think if you if we were able to beat KU, the pressure of beating Baylor would have been held off. Yeah. I think, well, regardless, I think K-State would have been hitting into a letdown situation. Uh, regardless of the KU game, but I mean, the way the way K State uh, went two and two, I mean, they, they got they got a big win over Texas Tech. I think that's a bigger win over Texas. Uh, I would have I would have been a little bit more comfortable, but just the way K State, uh, I don't know that the KU loss just leads a leads a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, and I mean, you're you're glad to get the gauntlet out of the way, but. I mean, these next few games, if K-State has any aspirations in making the tournament, these are the ones that you have to win, and there's no excuse, right. uh, n- no asterisk next to it either. Yeah, this is kind of the de- defining stretch going forward, but I wanted to get your guys' opinion at the very end. Um, you know, when Nigel Pack is dribbling up the court, I believe, I'm not sure how much time is left, like 13 seconds, something like something that. Like that yeah. Did you guys like Bruce Weber's decision to not call timeout? No. 
I was okay. I would have been smart. Interesting. On that. You need to call you need to call a timeout. I mean, because K State's offense at that time, well, while you can rely on Nigel Pack to score a game a game winning potential shot, I mean, you you just it'd be better to organize it and plan it out because what you're going through against this KU defense is going to be a crunch time situation in which right. KU has done a pretty good job at this season. And again, like at that moment, we were having like a small ball lineup in those last few seconds against KU. If we could have called a timeout, we could have brought in like Davion Bradford or Easy Agu for like a quick second lob or something to tie the game back up. Or just get a double screen to get in the corner for someone like Mark Smith or Nigel Pack or Marquise Noel to get a quick three off to tie the game back up. Like, that timeout could have been big, but who knows? Just a few crunch time opportunities for K-State late in the game. And I I don't know, it just kind of seems like a rhythmic pattern uh, as of late for this team specifically. So... I don't know. We'll kind of go into Baylor, like if you yeah, want to do that. Yeah, I mean, just a quickly point. I mean, it shouldn't have gotten to that point anyway. You know, we should have just been able to close it out. But getting into the uh, Baylor game happened. Uh, 74-49 loss, sadly. Yeah. Um, I, Baylor had four in double figures. Uh, nobody from K-State really shot that well from the field. I mean, it was just overall a really, really tough game. Baylor gets off to a really hot start. Uh, I mean, they start out, I think they go into a zone after five minutes. I mean, just no paint penetration. That's the thing I noticed, no. you know, just living and dying by the three, and we yeah. were mostly dying, mostly yeah. dying. I would say this, like, <laughs> the field goal percentages are what's really the killer. Like, we shot 31% from the field, but we shot 21% from three in 23 attempts. Like, that is saying something. And our free throw percentage is 42% in 13 attempts, while Baylor had 14 with 9 of 14, shooting around 64%. Not going to win you a lot of games. No, it really isn't. The rebounding column, I mean, it was better than the KU game with 28, but compared to Baylor, who had almost 40 rebounds in that game, it just shows that rebounding kills in Big 12. And it just kind of shows what K-State's kind of going through right now, just a lot of struggles inside the paint. Uh, But Nigel Pack, he played red hot against KU, but he took a step back against Baylor. Uh, I'm I'm not a little bit too surprised about that. Uh, he dropped to the other uh, of a heat spectrum while playing the Bears. Uh, Pack made four out of twelve shots and finished with thirteen points. It was still enough to lead the team, but not necessarily enough to make this a, a competitive game whatsoever. Right. At least uh, not with more help from his teammates. Marquise Noel was the only other K State player in double digits with eleven. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Baylor just did a nice job of preventing Pack uh, from catching the ball in his favorite spots, and he never got into rhythm. Yeah. He didn't really ever. He's, he's tried in the second half, started to make a few threes. Marquise Noel was really trying mm-hmm. in the second half. He was the only guy who could really get some uh, dribble penetration and then be able to kick it out and finish a few times. But besides that, there really wasn't a lot going for us. Um, on the topic of Nigel Peck, we have a clip from Bruce Weber talking about kind of a story that uh, shows uh, Nigel Peck's uh, work ethic. Disappointed the other night. Um, I know our whole team was uh you know, I told everyone to stay out of the gym on Wednesday. I, I actually came back late because I had to get some, uh, get get another tape and, and watch another game. And uh, and he was in shooting. So, you know, I, I think he, you know, he's pretty driven to be successful. And that's part of his, uh, what, why he's had the success he's had. Yeah, Bruce Weber had it. It's probably why he's improved so much, especially dribbling the ball. I don't know how much really else there is to say about this game. I mean, I I, I think Bruce Weber put it best. 
I mean, you, not much you could say. We just got our butts kicked. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. I think that pretty much sums it up. Pretty much sums it up. It's a pretty good way of describing it. Just an overall letdown. Yeah, against a top ten team in the nation. The national champions too. Yeah, so. yeah. The I mean, reigning the, national the, champions. Yeah, there, there was Baylor's going to defend that thing like crazy. So, I yeah, don't know. I, I don't mean. Know. I mean, K State's got a three-game stretch here. They're playing Ole Miss tomorrow. Who has right. the? They are what? They're ten and ten now, I believe, right? And then they play Oklahoma State February second, TCU February fifth, Baylor at home, which yeah. obviously is going to be tough. But I mean, these are three winnable games. Now, the good news is that not every team has Kansas or Baylor type of caliber. Right. I mean. If you want to talk about rebounding uh, in particular, Baylor operates with a six foot eight small forward, a six foot nine power forward, a hefty six foot eight, two hundred forty five pound center in their front court. While KU consists of an athletic bunch of a six foot five shooting guard, six foot six small forward, and a six foot eight power forward with a six foot ten center. What makes those two teams particularly devastating is the size of tandem with their athletes. But Ole Miss now Ole Miss has some big guys as well. They got a big six foot six senior forward, a six foot eight power forward, and a seven foot uh, center. But they're not nearly as athletic. I mean, they're not as good on the glass and more uh, uh, susceptible uh, to transition buckets. But don't think for a second they're not going to try and do the exact same thing like Kansas and Baylor have uh, to attack the Wildcats in the glass. Definitely. I mean, these next, especially with Ole Miss, this SEC challenge is going to be a big game for Casey. It's going to basically sum up the season as a whole, in my opinion, because, I mean, Ole Miss is a very good team, and if we can beat someone like Ole Miss, we could really turn the corner. Yeah, we'll go ahead and hit some keys to victory for the Ole Miss game. Then we'll go ahead and see who we think is going to win the Big 12 ICC Challenge. But I saw this on ESPN2, and I wanted to mention it, a graphic they brought up. This is the toughest remaining strength of schedule. This was of as of oh, January 23rd. Yep. Yeah, these are all the teams with the toughest remaining schedules. Texas, Oklahoma, TCU, West Virginia, Kentucky, Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Wow. One SEC team, the rest are Big 12 teams. That I mean, is that is absolutely all but, absurd. All but Iowa State. Yeah. Maybe Iowa State's number 11. I don't know. They might be. <laughs> they yeah. might be. But, I mean, let's go ahead and hear some uh, you know, keys to victory that is going to allow the Cats to bounce back. For, uh, we'll start with John. Well, I think for the part that K-State has struggled on, I mean, if K-State wants to have any aspirations of playing in March, they got to try and figure out a way to not be totally dominated <laughs> in the glass. Yeah. I mean, that means the guards, all four of them, are going to have to do a better job of blocking out, uh, out their opposite number. I mean, that that probably means grabbing, pulling, scratching, and potentially eye gogging. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yeah. It's, the good news is it's it's in Oxford, so it's going to be an SEC ref crew. So maybe uh, we might dodge a bullet or so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, at this point, if a team decides to crash the board, I mean, Bradford is just looking at his uh, his performances so far. It just seems like he's unplayable. I wouldn't mind seeing go- Bruce go for more of Carlton Lingard or Logan Landers. Logan Landers. I mean, <laughs> neither of them are glass cleaners, but at this point, they need to get some opportunities to prove that they can rebound. I can definitely agree with you on that, John. Rebounding is going to be one of the biggest factors in this upcoming game against Ole Miss. Another one I think is probably just open looks. Like, there's some open looks I can think of from the last two games we've had that we couldn't connect on. And we just kind of hesitated on those looks. And I feel like if we can get those open looks to get going, get defensive stops, especially with like Marquise Noel, who's been doing phenomenal in the steals category, 
Like, we can really push an Ole Miss team and maybe possibly blow them out. Yeah, I, br- I brought it up last week. K-State was down 19-10 to 10 to Texas, and how did they get back into the game? They drove to the line, they got fouled, they finished at the rim. And then, exactly. you know, you work your yep. way inside out, and then those three-point looks start to come. And then I said help from Ishmael Massoud, Mike McGurl, and Mark Smith, especially losing Selton Miguel defensively and offensively. I mean, Ishmael Massoud's had a rough couple games. Mike McGurl, I mean, K-State's undefeated when Mike McGurl's in double digits. He's going to be starting now, mm-hmm. so he's going to step into a huge role. You know, fifth-year senior, he's really going to have to step up. Mark Smith, yeah. we saw what he's capable of, you know, against West Virginia, but he's kind of fallen off. We just need to, you know, keep the course with Noel and Pack, let them run the offense. But I think we need, you know, our kind of our supporting cast to really step up. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, our supporting cast will really need to step up in this upcoming game against Ole Miss, um, especially people with like um, Lingard, definitely possibly Logan Landers if Bruce gives him minutes, especially with yeah. the situation with uh, Davion Bradford. But definitely like Easy Agu and like all these role players off the bench are gonna have to step up big, especially for this K State team if we're gonna win against Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean we have all this depth that we didn't have we last do. year. It'd we be have really a lot great of depth. Yeah, it'd be great to capitalize on it and really get some uh, productivity out of them. But uh, let's go ahead and get some predictions about the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. Ten games on Saturday. Now, obviously, everybody knows the Big 12 is the best basketball conference, but you look at these games like side by side. There's some pretty, you know, like pretty close ones. I mean, ranked LSU against TCU, you could see LSU taking that one. Oklahoma at Auburn, I think it's pretty safe to pick Auburn. Missouri Iowa State is close, and then there's a few others. You know, obviously, you have Kentucky and Kansas. Obviously, K State, Ole Miss. You know, you have some Tennessee, Texas. There are a few really close games. Do you guys see the Big 12 coming out on top? How about I, this? How about this, though? Rick Barnes at Texas, yeah, leading Tennessee. That'll be fun. But I, I think there's some good matchups. I think the lopsided one's probably going to be Iowa State over Missouri. Missouri's just terrible. They lost <laughs> to UMKC. Yeah, that, uh, that but, we don't talk about. Um, but yikes! Uh, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of winnable games for the Big Twelve. It's just a lot of road games too that yeah. might yeah. be costly for the Big Twelve. But uh, I'm a Big Twelve. I'm a Big Twelve fan, uh, ride and die. So I will Big Twelve. S- let's go six four. I'll definitely <laughs> say Big Twelve all the way. But I will say Alabama is definitely going to put up a fight because they have a really good athletic kid on that roster who's a 19 year old freshman in J D Davidson. He's basically a reincarnation of Vince Carter with like a 46 inch <laughs> vertical. Like he is very bouncy. Yeah, and you're going up against a really talented defense in Baylor. So exactly. that's that's going to be a really good one. We'll see if Alabama is able to. Get some wins because they've had some that some really head scratching. They've had some tough well, losses, so. especially in the season. What about the big game? You know, Kentucky, Kansas. Who do you guys see taking that? I'm oh. cheering for Kentucky. I mean, <laughs> I, if there's any Big Twelve game that I'll be satisfied with a Big Twelve losing, team losing, 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 it's Kansas. <laughs> if I'm being on, this is going to be a very John two minutes ago. Big Twelve ride or die. Big but, 12 if, but if there's one game. <laughs> Honestly, I can't blame you. That's that was that was me with BYU when oh B, when gosh. BYU joined. Yeah. Up, I was like, all right, welcome to the other three teams except for BYU. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, this game is gonna be a big, interesting one, especially from these two really good ranked opponents, especially Kentucky um, and Kansas. I honestly think Kansas is gonna come out on this one in a close one. I think it's gonna be like a Man. two point or three point win for Kansas. I don't think they're gonna lose to Kentucky. I know Bill Self has got some game plan, especially for a team like Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really good game. Thank you so much for listening to the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove, alongside special guest Jeremiah Blaine. Thank you so much for coming on, Jeremiah. Hey, so much. Thanks for having me, Blake yeah, and John. Make sure, to, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And we outie Cats by 90. Cats by 90. Cats by 90.